Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hey team, welcome back to the podcast. We've got a very, very cool episode on the way today talking all about rates of muscle gain and how do we set up an environment to help us build the muscle that we want to build. Before I get into that, as always, thank you so much for listening. I would absolutely appreciate it if you could share this episode on your stories, if you've got something out of it, and make sure that you tag me as well. It really helps me build the podcast in general and get this message out to more women in relation to making the progress that they want to make in the gym, building muscle, getting stronger, all of these fun things. So I must admit with this episode, it's going to be pretty like, do I say nerdy, but it's going to be pretty in the weeds. Okay. I really want to dive deep and I've, I'm actually going to use an example of one of my clients who won't name her but I'm going to be using her body weight to walk through some of the maths here um, just as an example. So that's the reason why when you start hearing me talk about a particular scale weight, it's just because I'm using her as an example um, because I think this episode is right up her alley and I needed to use an example. So that's where I came up with that example as we go. But I also had a question about different rates of gain and I think that that is really really interesting to a lot of people so we're definitely going to be going through rates of gain let's just kick us off so first of all when we're talking about building muscle mass the very first thing that needs to be addressed is our environment how do we set up an environment primed to build muscle mass okay there are three components that you want to look at Actually, let's make it four. There are four components. The first one is you are going to need to be in an energy surplus of food. I know that there are popular influences. I can think of one right away who is constantly saying you don't need this. And I would just question whether they have any kind of fear of body fat gain or fear of weight gain because It doesn't make sense to me. The leaders in the industry have done a lot of research on this topic and we know to efficiently build muscle mass, we need to be in a surplus. It's probably way smaller than you think. And for a very small human, someone like myself, it may almost be even like semi-undetectable, especially with the food labeling discrepancies. But to say you don't need to be in a surplus to efficiently build muscle is nonsense. Can people build muscle at maintenance? Yes, it's very slow. Can people build muscle in a deficit? Newbies to training, they can for sure. It'll be a novel stimulus for them. And you might have noticed in your first 
three, six or 12 months of lifting, maybe you were in a deficit and you built some muscle that's possible in that environment called newbie gains, the honeymoon period, it happens, yes. But the more and more advanced you get, um, actually the less of a surplus you need, but you still need the environment of a surplus, okay? So as you can see with what I've just said, there is a whole lot of nuance, but it does grind my gears because I think when you're saying to people like you don't need to be in one, you're just being very sloppy, you're being lazy, you're not explaining it clearly, and you're probably just appealing to people's fear of having to gain weight. And I'm not here to put anyone in cotton wool I would rather you completely understand the process, all of it, and then make your own decision about where you're at. And I'm not here to tell anyone whether they should be out, what their goal should be, or anything like that. But I just want to help you completely understand this so you're not under the impression of you know, being in la-la land about about gaining muscle and you're wondering why two years down the track you've not done any, you've not made any progress. Okay, so (laughs) you need a surplus of food. That was number one. Protein intake, I'll go through that, what it needs to be, but you do need to make sure you're hitting, excuse me, you do need to make sure you're hitting that. We also need to be progressively overloading the gym. And then the final one that I wanted to talk about was, that I didn't have on this list, was really just having all of your ducks in a row. Okay, we need to make sure that we're not significantly stressed. We're not trashing ourselves with alcohol on the weekend. We're paying attention to our sleep. We're get, we're doing our mental health work. We are seeing all of the allied health professionals, therapists that we need to see to keep ourselves really healthy. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know how you can work with me. I currently have places available inside the Glam Body Program. And if you don't know what it is, this is my completely personalized programming, nutrition, and education online coaching service that is specifically designed to help women get strong and progress their body composition, whether that means gaining muscle, getting lean, or both. So Glam Body is best suited for two types of women. The first loves training, but you've never had a your programming or nutrition tailored to you. Perhaps you're just doing classes or using apps, but you do want more efficient results and you want to learn more about your body. Or perhaps you have had some element of assistance before, but you're still struggling with overtraining, undereating, speaking negatively to yourself, and you feel like nothing's enough, and you just want to be able to make physique and performance progress without burning the candle at both ends. So to get your spot, just DM me on Instagram with the heading Glam Body, or you can fill out the application form that is linked in the show notes below, and we can have a chat about whether Glam Body is a good fit for you. With that said, let's get back into the episode. I understand that health is a privilege. I appreciate that. And at the same time, whatever resources you have available to you, if you're super keen on building muscle mass and that is who I'm speaking to the people who are in a good place to do so it is important that you do these things okay I just want to I just want to say that I understand this is a privilege extremely privileged place to be and to choose to build muscle and to have the resources available to you to get the food to have the gym membership to put the time and effort into this I get it and I don't want to I don't want to labor on that point that I understand this the privilege we're just going to go with you are that privileged human who can do this who's able-bodied okay so let's just let's just do that 
So they're the four things, surplus food, protein intake, progressive overload, and just overall you're treating your body with the respect uh, that it deserves. Let us dive into a surplus of food. What does this mean? So I can give you some pretty decent numbers here, right? The first thing I want to say though is we need to make sure you have found your maintenance intake and that your weight is relatively stable, all right? So this could be that you have done a deficit, you've gotten down to a body fat that you're super, super happy with. And we've then brought you up to maintenance. We've found where that is. Maybe that's taken us two, four, six weeks to do. That's fine. And then from there, we've got your maintenance and then we can go up. That's a really good way to do it. Or if you've just been trucking along at maintenance for the last few years and you're like, you know what, I'm ready to get into a growth phase. We just need to know that your weight is relatively stable and that we have found your maintenance. Again, I'd actually probably say two weeks is not enough. I'm a, I'm a fairly conservative coach in the way that I coach everything, mostly because I'm coaching 99% women and mostly because the women who come to me have extremely high standards. They're very type A. So I really need to be not trigger happy and just, you know, well, whoops <laughs> with, with um, everything that we're doing here. And sometimes we can push someone's, you know, what I think might be their maintenance. I've pushed them a bit too far and we've actually spilt into a surplus. It's happened before. I'm not dealing with robots, so that's important to say. But I would probably would like at least a month of a stable, relatively stable body weight. You might say, but aim what's stable because I'm constantly fluxing. Yes, especially as a female with the uh, with your menstrual cycle, you're going to see fluxes in water. I would typically say what's normal for you, which might be frustrating to hear, but if you've got your body weights for the last six months and say your body weight in the last six months is anywhere from 60 to 63 kilos and it just keeps constantly moving there, you're probably at maintenance, right? That's 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 good enough. Um, we just want to see a pattern and if we were to zoom out over a few months, are we drawing relatively a straight line between your scale weights, right? That that will tell us you're roughly at maintenance, yeah? So does it mean that you have to weigh in the same every single day? No, I've only ever seen that in myself. <laughs> and it was for a period of six weeks, I think it was. It was fucking insane. I don't understand it because I wasn't even eating the same foods. It was like, yeah, the same number on the scale weight. It was just blew my mind. I've never seen it never happened again. This was years ago. I've never seen it in any other client. Um, and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of women. So it's super unlikely that you will ever be weighing in exactly the same every day. But you've just got to say, like, does this does these are these fluctuations fairly normal for me? So uh, just to give you another example. I have clients who will flux five kilos within the month, but just say they're going from 70 to 75. Um, every single month, they're still 70 to 75. Like they'll go down and they'll go up, but it's still within that five kilo um, weight range, right? So for them, that's stable. For me, that's ridiculous. Like that would never happen for me. My stable is usually within 500 grams or usually within a kilo. So, um, you know, just say my weight's 50. I would see fluctuations within the month anywhere from 50 to 51 um, or 50 to 50 and a half or 50 and a half to 51. But I would never see kilos of fluctuation. I've got seven years of data on my body 
And I don't, I do not, I never have fluctuated kilos within a week, only ever, um, you know, about a maximum of a kilo. But that's, I have that data on my physique, on my body. So you need to have your own data. (laughs) And if we're gaining muscle and we're wanting to do this, I just sort of segue here for a second. Do you need to be very pedantic with your data? You don't need to be very pedantic with your data. Again, I'm just thinking of the women that I coach and what they want to see. uh, And so that they would like that. And that's why I'm going through that today. But you can be fairly relaxed and just eat a little bit more and see how you go. You know, are you making progress in the gym? And hopefully that you'll be gaining some muscle mass, right? So no, it's not about the data. It's more so about like, are you eating a surplus? Uh, Are you hitting your protein intake? And are you progressively overloading? Are you managing your lifestyle? If you're doing all those things, you will gain muscle regardless of whether you're actually tracking your data or not. But the reason why I'm going through this, like I said, is because my ladies like to have a little bit more certainty with um, everything that they're doing. Okay. So you want to have found your maintenance and roughly have stable body weight, right? Okay. With the surplus of food, it's probably not going to be as much as you think. So this really depends on your what you've been exposed to in the past when it's come to discussions of surf, surplus phases, right? So um, there was a period of time on social media where it was very trendy to do this quote-unquote dirty bulk and there was so many people doing these huge like ice cream bowls every night. It was just, honestly, I think that that's horrendous. Um, Not because ice cream bowls aren't completely wonderful. They are. (laughs) But I just think it was coming from leaders in the fitness industry. And I think that they should have known better, but we all make mistakes. I'm constantly making mistakes too. Uh, And so it is what it is. But I think it did lead a lot of people astray and they just were under the impression that being in a surplus means it's a free-for-all and I just eat whatever I want. And then I also saw maybe three years ago, um, again, someone specific that I can think of who was really just putting so many of her clients into a surplus when they needed to heal their relationship with food first and they weren't even happy with their body fat as it was and then they were just gaining copious amounts of body fat and ended up really upset so I think that it's been overstated how much we need to gain you highly unlikely to need too much so the next piece of this is you might think this sounds counterintuitive but the more advanced you get in your training uh, and I'll talk about what that actually means the less calories you're going to need only because the rate of growth slows down as you get more advanced. Now, when I'm talking about advanced and we're looking at the numbers and the research here, what they're saying is really one year. So think of 12 months of consistently, so pretty much week in, week out, maybe only a couple of weeks off, you know, maybe two to four weeks off a year of training. You've consistently been training and you've also consistently been training within a proximity of failure, okay? So one full year, one 12-month span of that would be, um, we'd, we'd probably call call you still a beginner. A beginner is still, I guess, is still learning the, you know, technique. And I mean, it might've taken them three months to learn decent technique. It might take them another three months to learn how to truly hit RIR. So that's about six months. But 
you know, another six months of training, we're looking at, say, a beginner being a year, having a year, full year of that under your belt. Now, I know a fair few women that I coach might have been in the gym for three to five years, but they're on three months, off for two, you know, back for four, off for two. That doesn't count, okay? So we really want to think about that beginner is, you know, someone who really is in their first 12 months of consistent lifting. And they're lucky enough to, they're going to have the greatest rate of muscle growth. And they're um, probably also, well, yeah, they're also going to be able to eat a little bit more to support that growth, okay? Then we have someone who, say, is in their second year. So we're looking at up to that 24 months of still, again, really consistent lifting and training to within zero to two reps of failing. So again, this is without those long extended breaks, three months off, six months off. That's, you, you know, you can put yourself really back at the beginner, I think, if that's happening. Um And then we're looking at, say, three years plus of truly, again, consistent lifting. And I wouldn't even put myself in this three-year category yet. I'd probably put myself even around the two because I've been in the gym lifting for seven years. But um, whilst I think I have been consistent, my my failing has been my ability to train close to failure. I've really only just tapped into that in the last three months. So... I wouldn't even be looking at these rates through the lens of a a three-year-plus trainee for myself, even though I have seven years under my belt, just because I know that my ability to hit RIR has really only just happened recently. I've really only just been able to go to those deep, dark depths in training sessions and portion, not just for one exercise for the session, you know, all of the four to five exercises that I'm programmed truly, truly starting to take things to failure has only just been recent. So I hope that helps under, helps you understand the surplus is going to be a little bit more for the beginner. It's going to be a little bit less for the person with that three years plus, only because as we are exposed to stimulus over time, our rates of muscle gain slow down. And you'll also notice your progressions in the gym comparatively also start to slow down as well. So the research is saying, and there's a a research paper looking at um, the amount of kilojoules. So to convert kilojoules to calories, you just divide by 4.2. Kilojoules is often used because it is more accurate. They're smaller units than calories. But somewhere between 1,500 to 2,000 kilojoules potentially for a surplus. Now, this is as I go through these numbers, this is definitely the higher end, and I'm going to be talking about a lot lower numbers than this. But that is only 358, between 358 and 478 calories in excess of your maintenance per day. So that's not that much. You know, that's not even that 500. A lot of people talk about, I'll just add 500. Well, that research is saying 358 to 478. Okay, the reason why we don't know anything for certain, because I'm going to be talking about ranges this whole time, is because we actually, it's it's um, hasn't yet been quantified. And this is, I imagine, just because of the general differences in every single person. When we're looking at rates of muscle gain and food intake, man, it's just completely different for every single person. And this is why tracking your own data is really valuable. But um, the research, the researchers don't yet understand or don't yet know, they haven't been able to quantify how 
costly it is to build muscle that actual that energetic process of building muscle we know it takes calories to just build like if you were to think of building a house and you've got the workers expending their own energy um, to put pieces together of it for the house, we don't know what that is. We we can't account for the energy costs, and it's different. It's going to differ between people. Okay, so um, we also have leaders in the industry suggesting you know as little as say sixty calories a day as little as 60 calories a day for advanced lifters to build muscle. 60 calories a day is so small. And we also have to remember food labels can be out by 20%. Companies are allowed to round up and round down their food labeling so that they have a margin for error of 20%. And if we are eating mostly whole foods, you might say, oh, well, maybe because of, um, you know, what I'm eating into my food is mostly whole foods, then I can be more accurate with my tracking. And it's like, I hate to break it to you, but depending on what soil your whole food is grown in, the nutrient values are going to differ as well. So I don't want to put a dampener on this and I don't want you to throw your hands up and say, well, what's the point? I just want to say I'm trying to give some numbers so you have a framework. You, We also have to understand there's so much human error in macro tracking if you're going to do that. There's error in food labeling and there's going to be different nutrient um, densities in your food depending on where it's grown. Okay, So that is just to say getting pedantic about these numbers and placing any element of perfectionism on you know, hitting macro targets or only only gaining, you know, X amount of weight per month to the, to this, you know, single digit gram. Look, it's just fucking futile. It's so futile. Having a framework and understanding that, understanding this framework is going to be really good because you probably see that this process is so much more conservative than you would be, you would have first thought, but trying to hit anything specifically is just a waste of your time and energy. Okay. So I just want to point that out. 60 calories, who the fuck knows? Like one food label is out for your day and you've already hit that without even knowing, okay? So I do just want to be really reasonable with you and I do want to put that out there, okay? So um, the next part that we do need to consider was exactly what I was just saying about nutrient density. But also we have to look at the quality of our protein intake, okay? So with our protein intake, it's really important that we are having high quality protein sources. So just watch, you know, protein bars and all that sort of stuff. They can be helpful, but just think about the quality of the protein. Animal-based products are going to be best. If you're a vegan, um, you can shoot me through a message and I can send you an article on um, protein to support uh, hypertrophy for vegan athletes you can do it you'll probably just need to supplement with other things and you will also need to go out of your way to source higher quality protein sources if you want to do it vegan um, the other important thing here of course with your surplus is your micronutrient intake and this is something that i've fallen short on in the past but basically 300 grams of fruit and 375 grams of non-starchy vegetables per day should be your baseline 
Make sure you're hitting your protein intake, which I'll go to in a sec. Hit your 300 grams of fruit, 375 grams of non-starchy veg. Then with the calories left over, you can fill it as you see fit with your carbohydrates and fats and potentially fun foods. But your goal, like nutrient quality is extremely important. Okay, so from there, we're going to look at your protein intake. We know somewhere between 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight. Again, you're probably like, Amy, that's a big range. Yes, I know. This is what the research has shown. It is what it is. Uh, Typically with my ladies, I have most of them around that two grams per kilo of body weight. The one caveat here is body fat percentage. Like I said before, if you're really far away from where you want to be in terms of your body fat, so you're higher body fat than you want to be, I really wouldn't bother going into a surplus. Do the fat loss phase first. If you're having problems with your relationship with food, go deal with that separately and then you can come back to a surplus later. Um, The time spent in the gym, even if you're healing relationship with food, just say you want to grow muscle. Um, Again, if you're in that newbie stage, you're going to get muscle growth anyway. So just do that. You're also going to learn how to lift properly. You're going to be refining your technique. You're going to be practicing training close to uh, failure. This is all really valuable time spent in the gym. But just be honest with yourself. If your body fat is too high or if you have food shit that you still need to deal with, um, I would go seek a professional and deal with that first before we go into this process of getting into an actual surplus, okay? I think it's much more beneficial to do that. The reason why I'm saying that here under this protein uh, section is because just say you're you know, 50 kilos above where you want to be. Um, I don't think anyone who's 50 kilos above where they would want to be would want to actively go into a surplus. So maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. But just say you were and you did that upper end 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight, you're going to be you're going to be consuming like 250, 300 grams of um, protein, which is just ridiculous and we don't need it. So I just want to say that the numbers will skew the further you are away from I'll do, you know, in inverted commas, a healthy body fat range. But for women you know, 20 to 30% body fat, um, you know, starting to push over 30%, maybe you might be thinking of doing a fat loss phase first to um, get that a little bit under that 30%. But, you know, somewhere roughly in that range and you're doing that 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight with protein, yeah, you're going to be sweet, okay? Uh, So just have a think about that. The next point is progressive overload. Now, I am not going to go into the depths of what makes a good program. That's a completely separate episode on itself, but you've just got to make sure you've got a program that is customized to you and your specific muscle growth goals, your mobility, your capacity, ability, recoverability, (laughs) all of the illities. Um, There is a lot that goes into it, but with your training program that you are following consistently week on, week out, doing the same movements for months on end, um, we want to make sure that number one, we're training with the appropriate effort which means you have to be training within two reps of um, concentric mechanical failure and with good form. So we can talk about technical failure. We can talk about mechanical failure. Ideally, your technique is so good that we can just concentrate on concentric mechanical failure, which means you'd be failing that movement in the shortening um, range because we can um, access heavier loads or lift heavier loads in the eccentric, in the lengthening portion, that's fine. So we're really thinking about failure in that concentric um, in that concentric portion of the lift. That's a skill in and of itself. Like I said, I've been training for seven years and I have only really just started to lock into what training to failure feels like. Um, would you be doing this on some of the 
you know, on on some of the bigger compound lifts, it depends as long as you can make it safe. Um, would we be going to failure on them? Again, it really depends on the athlete and can they fail safely? So that's something you also have to consider. But I, just to try and sum that up as briefly as possible, we need to be trying to progress our lifts weekly. It's not going to happen every single week though, okay? So you need to give it your best effort to either add a little bit of load or add a, even a rep on a top set, like as little as that per week. Like I said, you won't always be able to do that. You would be superhuman if you could continuously progress every single lift from now until the end of time. No one's done it. It's not humanly possible. Um, But we can do different things to try and um, increase the overall stimulus, okay? And the, the muscle won't like the muscle doesn't technically know any of the numbers. It only knows stimulus. So if we're training close to failure and there are rep ranges, you know, there's no specific number that we have to hit in terms of rep. There are ranges for hypertrophy. Um, we can do the job, but just understand that you're also a human living with, um, you know, r- relationships and work responsibilities, children responsibilities, um, general life stresses, emergencies, whether there's all these things that go into your recoverability and that's going to impact your ability to progress weekly. So, and you know, menstrual cycle. So just know that you're going to like, you need to try to progress every week, but it just won't happen. It's not humanly possible to, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. All right. And then I don't want to go into the ducks in a row portion of that. You know, that was my number four because we're already 30 minutes in and I haven't even gotten to the rates of gain yet. But that fourth component was your stress. Okay. So your stress, um, if you're wearing stress, high stress is a badge of honor, or if you're too proud to um, get some help, or, you know, if you're just stuck in your ways with your stress levels, Highly recommend you doing the inner work that you need to do to make sure you're properly looking after yourself because stress is going to impact your ability to build muscle and we don't want that. So let's look at weight rates of gain. So first of all, what I wanted to do, I had a question on my Instagram, you know, how often should centimeters go up? There's no answer to that. That is how long is a piece of string. Um, But we can look to rates of scale weight gain. I think that is actually when we're in a surplus, that is going to be our best indicator of growth. So centimeters, I don't know, man, who the fuck knows? Like if you're a 60 kilo woman at 20% body fat compared to an 80 kilo woman at the same amount of body fat, you know, their centimeters are going to go up completely differently. Um, We've got genetics, we've got different body parts grow at different rates Um, different body parts require different amounts of volume. Like there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, So I can't say that. (laughs) I would say we probably wouldn't want to see our waist grow, grow exponentially faster than the other parts of our body because there's no real muscle. I mean, unless you're trying to hypertrophy your abs, which not too many people care about. Um, Most people want to keep their waist smaller. Um, that, you know, we will get some fat gain across our waist, but I think uh, taking your waist measurement and seeing if we can keep that, um, I guess, lower-ish to some extent, but I also don't think you should be scared of letting that grow to, if you're doing all of these other things, because it is going to (laughs) grow. 
Um, it's just so hard to say because of different weights, different waist centimeters of, you know, different, you know, I could say maybe don't let your waist get up more than five centimeters in six months, but I already know clients where that just, those numbers wouldn't suit them. You know, they'd only get eight weeks into a growth phase and because of water retention issues with bloating that they need to deal with, um, that it just wouldn't make any sense for me to say that. So I, I, I just can't talk in centimeters. Um, photos and progression on your lifts and your scale weight, I think are the better metrics to use for a, a surplus phase. So, oh, and like I said, if you only your waist is growing and nothing else, then yeah, there's probably an issue there. <laughs> um, but let's get into the rates of weight gain. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is I am going to use my client as an example. So she is roughly 55 kilos and in terms of rates of weight gain, um, first of all, I want to talk about how do we figure out how many calories she would need to consume. And again, this is a very, very rough framework, but it is something that we can look at. So if we were to look at our beginner lifter as a female, their monthly rate of weight gain is going to be somewhere between 0.85% to 1.25% of their body weight per month. Someone in their second year of training, they'd be looking at a little bit less. So it's 0.4% to 0.85% of their current body weight per month in terms of scale weight gain. And three plus, we're actually only looking at 0.4% of body weight gain per month. It's just nothing. For me, I think I calculated that out to be literally 192 grams in scale weight gain per month. It's fucking nothing, right? Like you wouldn't even know, like just water fluctuations in and of itself, right? It. I just wouldn't even know. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of... It, this is a little bit ridiculous, but um, I again, I just wanted to go through the framework and the newer you are <laughs> and even the heavier you are, I think this is more helpful. The more you've been training and the lighter you are, it starts to get pretty challenging and this is where you've just got to go back to, am I in a surplus? Am I hitting my protein intake? Am I doing my progressive overload? Um, and do I have all my lifestyle ducks in a row? If I'm doing that, yes, I've just got to just trust the process, be confident, stick in the growth phase for six to 12 months, um, you know, and do a cut and then see, did I grow? And from my pictures, like if you, if you're interested, go on Instagram, my scale weights haven't changed too, too much, but you can definitely see that I have built a decent amount of muscle over the last few years of lifting. So I know it's worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of seeing any like crazy differences in scale weight gain, um, it's funny. Yeah, I actually am a little bit lighter with more muscle mass. So even for me, you can't really say like, oh, we can point to it on the scale because you can't really. And that is only because I'm such a small human. I'm only 154 centimeters tall. Okay. So that all being said, if we were to take my client at 55 kilos and let's just go um, 1% of body weight gain per month, 55 kilos, 1% of body weight gain per month, that's 550 grams per month. Of that, we're going to be looking at 75% um, of that being muscle growth, about 25% of that being fat gain. So there is inevitable fat gain that is going to come with 
being in a surplus of calories. Remember, we have no idea how costly it is to build muscle. We just know it's costly um, and we've got to support that. So just go 75% muscle, 25% fat gain. All right. So to support, this is, and I'm going to start talking in pounds now because the um, research that I've got is in pounds, but 550 grams is about 1.2 pounds. And um, to support that in calories in terms of muscle growth, we're going to need about 4,200 calories per month. Okay. So for my 55 client, 55 kilo client, we're going to go for 1% body weight gain per month. So that's 55, uh, 550 grams in body weight gained per month. We're going to need a surplus per month of 4,200 calories. You divide that by just roughly like 30 days in a month. That means she's going to need a surplus of about 140 calories per day. Again, it's fucking not much, is it? What's that? Um, 140 calories is like an apple, yeah? A little bit less than an apple. <laughs> Uh, a small size latte. <laughs> this is like 110 calories, I think. A skinny, a skinny latte is 110 calories. <laughs> you know, so it's not much extra per day for this client. Again, she's quite light at 500 uh, at, f- at 55 kilos. Okay, um, but yeah, there we have it. 140 calories per day, which would hopefully support 1% growth per month. So let me just do the maths on if we put her into a surplus of 140 calories per day, um, 550 grams increase in scale weight per month times six months. So in six months, we're looking at 3.3 kilos plus, um, so 3.3 plus 55. So in six months time, she'd be 58.3 kilos. Um, We have done 140 calories of a surplus per day all things being equal she's been able to train pretty much every week apart from any deloads that she's needed for that six months she's been able to hit her calories and her protein pretty much on point for those six months that's where my 55 kilo woman would end up she'd end up at 58.3 kilos um and yeah hopefully that we have built a level of muscle mass in that you'd have to put that at 75%. So if we go 3,300 times 0.75, so maybe 2.4 kilos. Now, I don't know if I'm doing this wrong. Maybe that's 2.4 kilos of muscle mass gained. Remember, this is for a beginner in six months, and then everything is going to start to slow down. I might have done that ending part wrong. Um, Because that sounds like a lot of muscle gained, but maybe we're on track. I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, how crazy is that, right? So I hope those numbers have helped you put everything into perspective and to see that the calorie amount, especially for this client, is hardly anything. Um, Just looking at myself and my, my own personal body weight, you know, I would be looking at if I was a brand new lifter, and again, remember I'm I'm lighter um, and I'm very small. Mine would be like, yeah, a hundred and hundred and seventeen calories extra per day if I was a beginner. <laughs> it's just nothing, is it? Um, but yeah, look, this is it. This is the game of being in a surplus. Um, now we have to remember as well when you're doing all of these numbers. Um, 
it's really important to have that accurate maintenance starting point because that is going to take into account, of course, your daily activity levels. And that is so different for all of us. So make sure you've got your maintenance done. Um, you can um, take yourself through those uh, through those numbers. I think a 1% of rate gain, again, unless you're, you know, you've got two years of fully consistent training, truly training within an RIR. And that means you've had, you know, customized program written for you. You've been tracking your data for two years. You've been really pushing it for two years. Um, you know, I think up to that point, still aiming for that 1% of weight gain per month is pretty decent. Um, and then, yeah, and then figuring out the, that the um, maths from there. Um, yeah, so I hope that I hope that has assisted you. If you've got questions that are coming from that, actually, I probably should say. So, if you're wanting to do the conversions for yourself, um, in terms of one pound of um, one pound of growth per month. You, one one pound of um, yeah growth per month. You'd be looking at an extra three thousand five hundred calories. Okay, so you can just plug the the one pound into the calculator. If I do it now for you, one pound is four hundred about four hundred fifty grams per month. So to support four hundred fifty grams per month, you need an extra roughly three thousand five hundred calories. So if you sort of start with those numbers, you can figure it out for yourself. But yeah, I hope it. I really hope it helped you see how, um, you know, we really don't need these five hundred calorie surpluses that you might have seen back in the day, and these monstrous food bowls at the end of the night is probably not going to assist you in terms of your muscle growth again if you're in a really good place to be able to support this process um, and you've got all of those things lined up it's probably not very much but in terms of gain rate of gain aim for one percent per month in scale weight and if you're ticking off all these boxes you can be fairly confident at least 75 or 75 percent of that gain will be muscle um, and then I would also recommend if you can stay in that growth phase for six months without diving back into a deficit and panicking, um, you'll probably end up with, you know, yeah, a, a little bit of muscle mass by the end of that six months, which is awesome. Then you can go into a little maintenance period, hold that there. I think as well there, I'm starting to learn about holding periods or that really help solidify muscle because it, you don't really want to get into cut bulk, like consistent cut bulk cycles either. And any new muscle mass that you've just accrued will take some time to settle in and hold. And I think that's one thing that we saw from my competition. If you see my comp photos, I don't really have any shoulders, but all of a sudden they've popped back out with just extra glycogen and water and training and stuff. Um, but it's probably because out of all of the muscle that I accrued, my shoulders were probably the last to be built. And so there kind of wasn't much left. And so it really, it really, it really begs the question of like, if you're not seeing the progress and you you've done a couple surplus phases, you know, are you going straight from surpluses into deficit phases? You might, you might be better off doing a surplus, you know, get, get lean first, do your surplus hold tight for a few months in a maintenance phase and then get into the deficit um, and see what you've built. So I also think that you're going to have to make peace with, you know, your body, your body image if you want to pursue this muscle growth route. Um, I've got the book here that I always plug, which is amazing, More Than a Body. Read that. 
you're going to be able to have so much more fun with this and be so much more productive if you don't tie your body fat levels to your self-worth because it's going to let you get into these places of seeing those increased scale weights and it's going to you know we've got to we've got to be honest like with the with this muscle mass muscle mass growth we're looking at 25% muscle uh, sorry 25% sorry 75% muscle 25% fat there's going to be fat gain like you just can't get around it um, and if you're struggling with that and if you're making body fat mean that you're a bad person you're just not going to be able to do this efficiently um, I hope I'm a good example if you scroll back you know you'll see two years of me just hanging out at a higher body fat level um, and I think people really quickly forget that and it's like I'm you know frothing my physique right now and I feel like I look fairly jacked um, but I think a lot of people forget that I spent two you know almost two years just chilling out at a higher body fat level um, and that was necessary for me to, to to gain muscle and I ended up still looking fairly small right and uh, so yeah I think that that is really important to say if you're freaked out about it you don't have to be it doesn't always have to be like that and I would say do the inner work read this book more than a body um, and let yourself have some more fun let yourself have some more fun with this process and start detaching you know any negative connotations that you have with body fat gain and just always know that you can always be in a deficit if you want like you can always lose this body fat but why would you want to squander the time that you have we have hardly any time here um let's have some fun with it let's see how much muscle we can build so please let me know if you have any questions if i if i wasn't clear enough with any of this stuff let me know if you want me to send you that vegan paper um and if you need help you know, if you want to coach, if you, you just hear all these numbers and you're like, fuck this shit, I'm not managing this. I want a coach to do this for me and to make those decisions so I don't have to be left with my emotional decision-making processes. Um, I love taking women through surplus phases, like the most fun thing to do. So please hit me up for online coaching if you're, if you're interested in that. With that being said, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will speak to you guys soon. Bye.